You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Philippians chapter 4 is where we're going to be. Let's go ahead and start reading together in verse 15. And we will read through verse 19. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire a fruit that may abound to your account." But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I wanted to hide the title and give it later, but then I realized when you log into the YouTube, you can already see my title. So the title is The Philippian Philosophy. The Philippian Philosophy. Let's pray. Take this time to pray also as a family, as an individual, that the Lord would bring us together soon, that the Holy Spirit would speak to us all during this time, uh, that we would be wise, that we would trust in Him, and that we would continue to have a good testimony during this time. Father, we thank you for everybody that is watching right now, those who are members of our church, uh, those who are just uh, finding out about our church, those who are scattered across the country, uh, some even across the world, uh, some in different countries near us, neighbors to us. And we're so thankful for the ministry that you have allowed us here to have through live stream. Uh, would you please help to... Um, Take away any technical difficulties that we may have so that people uh, can watch without distraction. Please remove distractions from the homes as well. Uh, Those who have little children and uh, anything uh, maybe going around in an apartment building that they live in, would you just keep the noise down for them, help the kids to be calm so that we can spend this time to be recharged and reminded and revived during this midweek service. We so look forward to coming back together But we thank you for the opportunity that we have regardless to hear from your word. Bless it tonight. We ask this in your name. Amen. We cannot control what happens to us. We cannot control the circumstances that come our way. As Hebrews says, we have to run the race with patience that is set before us. We cannot choose what race is set before us. Some of us run races with health issues. Some of us run races with financial difficulties. Some of us run races with split homes and and wayward children. We can't choose that. But still we run. Still we go forward. Even though we can't control what happens, we can control how we react to them. No, we may not have any power over the waves and the storms that we find ourselves in, but we can determine how to set the sails. And it's during times like these, especially in a shift that has just happened recently when we realize, okay, we're not coming out of this anytime soon. It is going to be another month of not seeing each other. It is going to be another month of doing live stream church. It is going to be another month of homeschooling the kids or maybe doing without work or maybe being in work, whatever it may be. It is going to be another month. During times like these, we're going to show our true colors. 
And what I'm saying is, and what I want to remind us of, is the same fire that destroys some people can refine others. And it's a shame, but people are going to use this time away from church. They are going to use this time with a lack of accountability to slowly and quietly slip away, never to be seen again. I hope that's not the case, but it probably will happen. It's going to happen across the country. It's going to happen across the world. It may very well happen here. That's why we must determine in our personal lives that's not going to happen with me. Lord, I don't want anything to distract me. I don't want anything to take me away from going closer to you. And while there are so many other things going on, things that bother, things that frustrate, things that concern, what I want to talk about tonight is something that has made me very, very joyful. Something that has brought a smile to my face. Something that has brought me uh, sweet thoughts before I go to sleep and sweet thoughts when I wake up in the morning. It is a joy to know that many are using this time to grow closer to the Lord and closer to each other. As a pastor, uh, I'm going to preach many sermons behind this pulpit. My, I have a drawer, uh, my message drawer that I keep all of my notes in, and it is getting full already. I'm going to have to find a place to put it all, and I do have it saved electronically, but uh, I like having those paper copies there. I'll have to figure out where I'm going to put them all. I'm going to preach a, a lot of messages, and God commands his preachers to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. I am not called to preach what I want. I am called to preach the Word, not about the Word, not my opinion of the Word, but the Word and the doctrine therein. I'm supposed to do that with patience. I'm supposed to do that understanding uh, my object and my subject. And that is not always easy. That is not always joyous. When you read Scripture, you can usually tell how the human author feels when he is writing a specific book. You can tell it wasn't easy for Hosea to write what he wrote. It wasn't easy for Amos or Ezekiel to write what they wrote. It wasn't easy for Isaiah to write what he wrote or Jeremiah. It wasn't easy for Paul to write 1 Corinthians or Galatians. You can tell it wasn't easy for Jude to write his letter. Those were in many ways books of reproof and rebuke. Reproof is meant to show uh, how or where we are wrong, to show us from God's word, not our opinion, this is where if you are living this way, if you are doing this thing, if you are not doing this thing, this is where you are wrong. Rebuke is meant to compel us then to change, to, to get right with God again, to stop walking down that path. No pastor who loves his people enjoys preaching those kind of messages. However, no pastor who loves his preacher is going to shy away from preaching those kinds of messages when they are necessary. But there's another word in that verse that says exhort. And that word means to encourage or comfort. Basically to tell people, keep doing what you're doing. I, just what you are doing right now is right and keep going forward with it. I like those messages. Uh, those are messages like 3 John, when he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Those are messages like the verses that we just read in Philippians. And we're going to study them more as we go throughout the message. But to put it simply, Paul is telling this Philippian church, keep up the good work. 
You're doing what is right, and don't stop. And with God's help, I really just wish to say to my church, Heritage Baptist Church, what Paul said so long ago. Tonight is a joyous night for me. Uh, I, yes, there are things that I'm worried about. There are things that I'm concerned about as far as our attitude and our spirit through all, this, uh, through all of this. I want us, I don't want us to be more concerned with protecting ourselves from a virus than we are protecting ourselves from worry. Worry can do more damage to the soul and the spirit than a virus ever could to the body. We have to remember that. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. But tonight, in this message that I studied out, and I'm going to tell you why I believe the Lord would have me preach this message. This is a night of encouragement. This is a night of exhortation from God's word. So let's remind ourselves of what's happening as Paul is writing this letter. If you're not a member of our church and you're watching from somewhere uh, other in the country and you have a church that you are in, I encourage you to be a Philippian, to have a Philippian philosophy with your pastor, to have a Philippian philosophy with your church and your neighbors and your coworkers in every single day that you walk out during this time of worry and concern in the world, have a Philippian philosophy. And I'm going to explain what that is in a little bit. But let's remind ourselves of, uh, Brother James, I feel like I haven't moved around in a little bit. Are you ready? See, you weren't ready. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. All right. So I'm going to move around a bit a little. So let's think about the Philippian church. The Philippian church is a Roman colony, a Roman colony um, that it's, it's nowhere near Rome, and we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. It really opens your eyes to what is happening in the story. But when you think about a Roman colony, you're going to have a lot of people there who are patriotic, a lot of people there who have their allegiance to Rome and have their allegiance to Caesar. And when you think about the message that, uh, that I preached, I believe, Sunday morning, when I was talking about um, having a can-do attitude. Uh, even when Paul and Silas were in prison, they were in prison at Philippi. And in fact, when you read that story in Acts chapter 16, the big complaint that people had in Philippi is they said, they are telling us to do things, they're telling us to believe things that are unlawful for us being Roman, is what they said. That is not what Romans do. That's not what Romans believe. So what are they telling them? Well, they're telling them, Jesus is king, not Caesar. That is, that is a big affront on how the Philippians live their lives. So obviously, Paul and Silas are going to meet with persecution because of that. But because of their attitude, because of what happened in that Philippian jail with the keeper of the prison, revival breaks out and a church gets started. And it's this church that Paul is writing to. Now, if you can, understand, if you can imagine, this church is still going to be dealing with this nationalistic ideology. They're still going to be dealing with the problems that Paul and Silas dealt with. They're still dealing with uh, retired Roman soldiers and people who really had great and still have great allegiance to Rome and to Caesar. All of that to say this, the church is dealing with a lot of persecution right now. Uh, and I understand that every church back then was dealing with persecution, but the Philippian church certainly had persecution that they dealt with. And it's at this time that Paul has actually found himself in prison at Rome and Epaphroditus, who is a member of this Philippian church, shows up at Paul's prison cell door with a gift from the church at Philippi. 
This is a good time to tell us and to understand Philippi is 800 miles away from Rome. So that is like finding out, and, and this, this isn't Amazon Prime days, right, Brother Danny? He was thankful for Amazon Prime, and so are we. This isn't Amazon Prime days. This isn't, you know, uh, the U.S. Postal Service, which nobody uses that to send, send things anymore. It will never get there. Or this isn't the day of UPS and FedEx. 800 miles away. So Springfield, Missouri is 800 miles away from Corpus Christi. So we find out that the man who started our church is in jail in Springfield, Missouri, and we commission a member. Cole, you're going to walk. You're going to walk this gift 800 miles up to Springfield, Missouri. You're going to knock on that prison cell door, and you're going to give this gift to Paul. Do you think Paul expects Epaphroditus at his door? Do you think he expects what is happening? Now, this isn't the first time that the Philippians had financially cared for Paul. We don't know exactly what he gave to them. We don't know uh, exactly what was in the package, how big the package was. And again, we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But we do know this. It was a great help to Paul. So before we go further in this message... Let me tell you why I believe the Lord has laid this on my heart. I told you on Sunday morning, it's going to be very easy during this time to have our eyes turn inward. It's going to be very easy during this time to only care about ourselves and nobody else. The Philippian church was not a wealthy church. They were not a large church like Ephesus. They were not a flagship church like Jerusalem. However, time after time in Scripture, we see the Philippian church taking the lead in the matter of giving. They took the lead in the matter of giving. He says in verse 15 of this chapter, when I left Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. Twice in Thessalonica, they had sent, to him, sent him support. And now again, this church has sent Paul a gift to encourage him in prison 800 miles away. So here's why I'm preaching this. During this time of uncertainty and fear, I have seen and I have heard of you, members of this church, new members, old members, young members, senior saints, I have heard and I have seen of you caring for others, going out of your way during this time to be a blessing to others. Apparently, when, well, let's just talk about that. When Haddon was in the hospital, we were overwhelmed with everybody reaching out to us and making sure that our, our little boy was okay. And he's wonderful, by the way. He is 100% doing just fine. But then apparently, while we were in the hospital, some of the ladies started a thread a text thread. And what they're doing is they are, every single time that they go out to the grocery store, they're buying extra necessities. Uh, they're buying paper towels. They're buying uh, bathroom paper. They're buying uh, different cleaning supplies. And they're reaching out to other ladies in the church asking, do you need anything extra? And if you do, they personally take their time and they go and they drop it off right at their door. I hear about uh, people taking gifts to other people. I hear about, um, I mean, just me personally, I'm, I'm flooded with texts from you 
every single day, I'm praying for you and, and are you doing okay? Is there anything we can do? Let us know if we can, if we can help in any single way. I, I hear story after story of you going out, out of your way to invite a coworker to church or the live stream to share the gospel with somebody that you run into, some random stranger that you run into. Now, you may say, Pastor, that's, we're not doing anything special. We're really not doing anything that we're not supposed to be doing. And I understand all of that. And yes, yes, you're right. And the Bible says that even if we do everything that we are supposed to do, we are still unprofitable servants because we're sinners. Even our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. But I want to show us tonight what happens when Christians give. I want to show us what happens when a church has the Philippian philosophy from giving paper towels to a senior saint or taking groceries to somebody that maybe doesn't have the ability to go pick it up for themselves to giving the gospel to a coworker. Tonight is a night of exhortation to encourage you tonight to keep doing what you are doing. So number one, let's look at this Philippian philosophy of giving, of putting others above themselves, of caring for others before themselves, of sacrificing what they could spend on themselves and giving it to others. Well, first of all, giving blesses others. Giving blesses others. In chapter 4, verse 18, the first part of that verse, Paul says, but I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. Again, we don't know exactly what the Philippians sent, but logic would tell us it could not have been much. It probably wasn't a, a huge gift that Epaphroditus took on a cart with him 800 miles from Greece all the way to the peninsula of Italy. That, that probably wasn't it. And it was more than likely something very small. But Paul says, I received your gift and it was more than I could ever ask for. In three different ways, he tells them, what you have done for me is a blessing to me. He says, I have all, I abound, and I am full. And when you look up that word full, he's basically saying, I am filled to the full. This is Thanksgiving dinner full. This is uh, your gram both grandmas have come over and both grandpas have come over for your birthday full. Paul had no more room for anything else. Now, he didn't say that because his prison cell is overflowing with gifts. He said that because his heart was overflowing with thanks. More special than the gift of Paul was just the simple fact. He couldn't believe when he got that message, somebody is here for you. The last person he expected is Epaphroditus, a member. I don't, he, he, I, maybe he knew of Epaphroditus before. Again, the Philippian church had given him things before. But probably the last person he expects is Epaphroditus coming from a church 800 miles away, to be honest, that has their own problems to deal with right now. How in the world did he find him? Why would he go out of his way to do all of that? And on top of that, so, so Paul is, is not just looking at the gift. He's looking at the thought behind all of this. He's looking at the care that is being shown through all of this. He says in chapter 2, verse 25, he refers to the gift as, as um, caring for his wants. And you can look at that. That word gives the impression that this church at Philippi went above and beyond in their care. It wasn't, he wasn't just talking about his needs anymore. They not only saw that he got what he needed, they go, they go further 
And they then give him some things that they just knew he liked. Have you ever had somebody go out of their way to get you something and it is one of your favorite things? Brother Danny, I'm going to use you as an example. Brother Danny shows up uh, not too long ago and I know my, my uh, couple from Canada, the, the drivers are probably watching, um, but I love Clearly Canadian. Uh, it's, it's a drink, it's, it's beautiful, it's wonderful. Um, God knew what he was doing that day, especially when he uh, allowed somebody to invent Clearly Canadian. But I had just mentioned it someday that I really enjoyed it. And maybe a week, two weeks later, Brother Danny says, I, I have something for you. And I walk outside and he has a case, a case of Clearly Canadian for me. Uh, but have you ever had somebody do that? And maybe they, like my wife sometimes, she'll text me, are you hungry? Are you hungry at, at, at work? And I usually don't eat at work, so I'm, I'm always hungry. But she doesn't just bring me food. She brings me what she knows I love, what she knows I like, like a number six from Wendy's. You can't go wrong with that. The spicy chicken sandwich from Wendy's or the five-layer burrito from Taco Bell or um, sushi. You know, you can't, you can't go wrong with any of those things. Or sometimes there are gentlemen who would text me, hey, do you, do you want something uh, to drink? I'll bring it up to you at the church. And they don't just bring me a drink. They bring me a Red Bull. Now, that's how you know that they love you. They bring me a Red Bull or like Brother Danny, you know, he brought me the Clearly Canadian. So we all know how it feels when somebody goes out of their way to do something special, to care for us, to, just to know that somebody else was thinking about us, praying for us specifically, and it led them to do something about it. Ladies, I hope you know the blessing that you are being to those other ladies and those other church members that you are caring for. Gentlemen, I hope you know the blessing that you are being to others when you just send that small text and you say, I'm thinking about you and I'm praying for you. Is there anything I can do for you today? And you mean it. It's not like they're gonna text you back and say, meet me at this place in five minutes and then you're gonna back out. You actually mean it. Never forget that when you give something to somebody else truly out of a heart of love and care for them, especially the gospel, if it's, a, if it's a stranger, if it's a neighbor, neighbor, somebody you've never met before, when you give, especially the gospel to somebody else, there is no greater act of care than that. You may give them the greatest blessing that they could ever imagine by just sharing a gospel tract with somebody. That was the Philippian philosophy. Verse 10 says that they were always careful. They were always full of care. Sometimes they couldn't do anything about it. And it talks about how they lacked opportunity. Sometimes they just couldn't do anything about it. You would think being 800 miles away, they would think, oh, there's nothing we could do about it. But they found a way. They found a way to show their care. And it, it, it couldn't be big because of Epaphroditus carrying it that far. But they sent something and they made sure it was specific for Paul. They made sure he knew we're thinking about you, we're praying about you, and we love you. It's easy right now only to care for ourselves, but I encourage you, keep looking for every opportunity you can to give instead of receive. Giving blesses others. The second thing, giving pleases God. The second part of verse 18, Paul says, I received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent of you, an odor of a sweet smell. And you think, did they send him perfume or did they send him some type of cologne, uh, a sacrifice acceptable. Did they send him a goat or a, a sheep or something? Well-pleasing, ah, to God. What is happening here is not only been a blessing to Paul, 
but it has been noticed and it pleases God. Just as he used three expressions to show how much their gift meant to him, he now uses three expressions to show how much their gift meant to God. First, he says, their gift was an odor of a sweet smell. I love how God uses human expressions to allow us to understand a little bit more about his nature and what he is talking about. So just think about when you smell something. Smell gets our attention. 99% of the time when we smell something, whether it is good or bad, we follow it up with the question, what is that smell? Now, there are some restaurants in the area, especially the Chinese restaurants, oh man, what is that smell? Ladies, some, if you have teenagers, you walk into the room and you ask yourself that same question. Or when you come home, gentlemen, from a long day at work and you open up your door and you smell dinner cooking and you think, oh, I hope that's mine. And you walk in and it is. Okay, that, that's what I'm talking about. When it is a good smell, and that's what this verse is talking about, it's a sweet smell. When you smell something good, it makes you stop. It makes you take notice of it. You take a, you take a deep breath in. I'm that way with, with fresh rain outside. And I know some people don't like that smell. I love that smell. Or fresh cut grass. I, I like that smell. When we, our first apartment, Miss Tracy and I, after we got married, was in Itasca, Illinois. And it changed its name since then because they got bought out. But right across the street, right across and down the street from our apartment building, in Itasca, Illinois, was the Willy Wonka candy factory, the only one in the US. Uh, and just like the movie, there were fences all around it. You could not get in, there were no tours. Uh, but I was close and I got, to, I got to drive by it. And every now and then, you could tell they were making a batch of pixie sticks or sweet tarts or something. And every, every single uh, window would go open in our apartment because it smelled so good. When Christians go out of their way to care for others, God says, I react the same exact way. Ladies, God notices your giving. Sir, God notices your giving. Kids and teenagers, even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure or whether it be right. God notices your giving. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. And, and do we understand? I'm not talking about tithes and offerings here. I'm talking about giving to others. I'm talking about caring for others. The Bible says in Hebrews 6, 10, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. He is not unrighteous to forget that. He notices it. No matter how small, how large it may be, God stops and he notices when you care for others, just like we stop when we smell something sweet. Second, he says, he says their, their gift was a sacrifice acceptable. What a joy it must have been for the Philippians to hear that Paul had accepted their gift. But now Paul wants them to know it had also been accepted by God as if it had been given straight to him. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 25, Matthew chapter 25. And we're going to read a passage from there. Keep your spot in Philippians, but Matthew chapter 25. My parents are here, and I know many of you have uh, told me to say hello to them, and uh, they have said the same. But my parents often tell me to remind you all, 
as a church of how thankful they are for the care that you show to me and to my family. Uh, in their minds, every act of kindness that you show to me and to my family, you are also showing it to them. In being a blessing to me, you are being a blessing to them. And parents, you know how that is when somebody cares for your children. Husbands, you know how that is when somebody helps you care for your wife or for your child and, and wives the other way. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 25, verse 34. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was an hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in, naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it, Unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then he says their gift was well-pleasing to God. Can I put it this way? God loved what that Philippian church was doing. He loved what they gave to Paul. If Paul could say at the beginning that God smelled their gift, well, now he was saying that God smiled because of their gift. Every single birthday or anniversary, whatever it is, if, you, if you're giving a gift to somebody, if it's a special gift, you want to see that person's reaction. You want to make sure that they are accepting it, that it pleases them, that it's something that they want. And all of us have given dud gifts, right? Gifts that we really thought were going to go over well and we did not get the reaction that we we're, you know, I really thought that Tracy was going to enjoy the special reserve table at McDonald's for our 10-year anniversary, but she just really didn't, and I, I don't know exactly what happened. Um, one time she pointed at a, at a store window, and she said, I really like that, and uh, so I bought it for her, and she didn't understand why I bought her the mannequin except the dress that the mannequin was wearing. I didn't know what she was talking about. I'm just kidding. That's, I, I, can, I can hear you not laughing through the, through the camera. Listen, there may be times when we give a gift to somebody and they just don't notice it. Uh, that can be frustrating. Uh, there are times when maybe we give something to somebody and they do notice it, but they just don't accept it. There may be times when somebody notices the gift and they accept the gift, but they don't cherish it. They don't love it. Uh, they, they tell you, oh, thank you, I really appreciate it, and you never see them using it, you never see them uh, anywhere with it. God says, that does not happen with me. He says, when I see a Christian taking care of somebody else, I notice it. He always notices a giving Christian. He accepts that gift as if it were given straight to him. And he loves it and he cherishes it. And you have to think, why? And why does the Lord use, why does the Holy Spirit use that wording? Well-pleasing to God. Out of all the things he could have said, pleasing to God, acceptable to God, uh, joyous to God, why did he say well-pleasing? Because every single time that God sees an act of sacrificial giving, he sees in it a reflection of his son that he sent to die, a reflection of Jesus' sacrifice, and in him, the Bible says, he was 
well pleased. Before we turn our eyes inward and convince ourselves that we don't have to give anything, or before we tell ourselves that others haven't done anything to deserve our giving, let us remember that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He gave us everything, knowing that we could never give him anything in return. Even if we lived every single moment of every day in service and obedience to him, we could not change one integer in the account of our debt toward him. A poem, uh, a poem says this, "'Tis perfect poverty alone that sets the soul at large. While we can call one might our own, we'll have no full discharge. For let our debts be what they may, however great or small, as soon as we have not to pay, our Lord forgives it all. Praise be to the Lord who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity, Titus 2.14 says. We give to others because Jesus gave to us. We may not have everything. We may not have riches like this world says we have riches, but we do have something. We can give something. We can show care in one way or another. You know another reason why many people don't give? Because they have the idea that they'll never be repaid. We live in a, and this is a statement that we've heard a lot of recently, we live in a quid pro quo type of society. Okay, fine. I'll take care of you, but what's in it for me? I'll give something to you, but what are you going to give back to me? This was not the Philippian philosophy. Luke 6:34, Jesus says, If ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. And ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. This Philippian church had no thought of being paid again. They had no thought of what is Paul going to do back for us. They gave with no strings attached. Paul was in prison. What could Paul do? What could Paul say? What could Paul uh, get his hands on to send back to this Philippian church? Now he sends them this letter and he definitely gives them guidance and counsel through the Holy Spirit and he sends them back with Epaphroditus and that's a wonderful thing. But as far as this gift is concerned, how, how could he requite it? How could he recompense it? How could he repay it back? But my God, he says, but my God, my God has taken notice of what you have given to me. My God has counted it as given straight to himself. My God is well pleased with it, and therefore my God shall supply all your need. As this church gave of their poverty in faith and in love, now God is going to give of his riches to them in Christ Jesus. Giving blesses others. Giving pleases God. And number three, lastly, giving returns to you. You cannot outgive God. Luke chapter 6, where it talks about don't give just so that you can receive again. Don't give to somebody just hoping to get it back. He wraps up that chapter by saying this, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet withal, it shall be measured to you. And not just measured to you, it shall be measured to you again. Now listen, this return 
may not always come in financial form. It may not always come in a tangible way. It may not always come in this life, but it will come. You cannot outgive God. So I challenge you tonight, if you have spent this entire time and you are looking forward to spending this entire time only worrying about yourself, you are missing out on the joys and blessings of giving. And I exhort those of you who have blessed my heart this week in your giving spirit and your caring love for one another, keep doing what you're doing. For what it's worth, please know that I am so pleased with what I have heard and that I am so pleased with what you are doing. But more than that, I want you to know and I want you to remember, you are being a blessing to others during a time when a lot of people do not care about being a blessing. God notices what you are doing. He accepts what you are doing. He is well pleased with what you are doing. And he will bless you for it, far more than men ever could. So keep doing what you're doing. It'll be a long month otherwise. I think if we spend this entire month only taking in and never giving out, that's going to be a very stagnant month. It's going to be a month of depression, a month, a month of woe and worry, and that is not what the Lord has sent this for. I believe the Lord has sent this to give us more opportunities to serve Him and to give and to care for others. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.